0: Engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.
1: Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. So glad that you're with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Happy to have you. Uh, There's there's a piece I want to talk about. Let me set you up some history to dive into this. Uh, In the 1330s, as the Renaissance was beginning to break out, starting in Italy, uh, Petrarch uh, it was an Italian uh, scholar who coined the phrase, Dark Ages. Now, you should understand that there was a time that the Roman Imperial Age and before was referred to as the Dark Times. Uh, and that was a, a Christianized idea that it was before and after Christ. That uh, they used the the dark and light motifs. Uh, the reason being uh, the Gospel of John uh, and his statement about Christ coming into the world in John one, uh, just beautifully written words. Whether you're a theologian or not, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, language there by the Apostle John. And a lot of early Christendom viewed the times before Christ as dark, dark times. But in 1330, Petrarch, the Italian scholar, coined the term the Dark Ages, and what he meant by the Dark Ages was the time after Rome fell. And he had a point. Now, this is the the medieval period and into the Renaissance, uh, what a lot of scholars will call the medieval period as opposed to the Dark Ages. He, Petrarch, uh, really, the the term meant that period of time from the fall of Rome until really the rise of the Renaissance period before the Enlightenment. Because society forgot things. Let me give you a very real world example of one of the things society forgot. Concrete. Now you say, well, Erickson, we know how to make concrete. It's true. We, however, are only just beginning to unlock the uh, theories and and science behind Roman concrete because the concrete of the Roman imperial empire to this day is better than our concrete. Modern concrete begins to crack and crumble after about 100 years. We are 2,000 years removed from the main part of the Roman empire with Caesar Augustus in charge and Roman concrete is still holding bits and pieces together. In fact, Roman concrete, um, subsurface Roman concrete in harbors is to this day better than any concrete we pour. And it is self-healing. It has self-healing properties that we're only just beginning to understand. We forgot the recipe of how to make real concrete. How to make Roman concrete. Roman concrete, hands down to this day, is stronger, better, and longer lasting than any concrete made since the Industrial Revolution. We forgot things. We forgot deep literature. We forgot a lot during the Dark Ages, and some of that knowledge has not yet come back. We know, for example, that there were weapons of war used by the Greeks and the Romans that have been lost to time. And they were, they were not as advanced as ours, obviously, but they were very advanced, and we can't seem to figure out what they are. There were writings of, of weapons used with fire that the Romans and the Greeks used that we have no idea how to reproduce them. We lost a lot, and that's what Petrarch was meaning in the Dark Ages. Now, a lot of the knowledge was absorbed into Christian monasteries around Europe, but it took a very long time for people to relearn. There are a group of scientists today who are interviewed regularly and, and asked if you could preserve in writing one thing for future generations to know, what would that be? Do you know the number one answer from scientists? Honestly, I, I'm not making this up. This was a study done. It was uh, engineering, um, a group of engineers, academics, and they interviewed like uh, people in the Ivy League in Europe. So they, they asked people at the top universities in Europe, They ask people at the top universities in the United States, if there is one thing that you think needs to be knowledge, bit of knowledge that needs to be preserved for all of humanity, what would it be? Do you know the number one answer? This one actually surprised me. Boil water. The amount of pathogens spread by a failure to boil water uh, has time and time again managed to wipe out ports of humanity. It's why so many people were for so long relying on wine to drink uh, you couldn't drink the water because the water would get you sick. And if you lose that level of knowledge, the knowledge of boiling water, you regress humanity pretty dramatically. It was actually a very interesting thing. I mean, some of them were wrap a wrap copper wire around an iron rod, move a magnet, you generate electricity, stuff like that. But the number one was boil water. It, the very fundamental part of civilization is boil water. That gets me to this piece by Noah Rothman. The great unlearning, a society-wide recovery of fundamentals is needed. Let me just read you the open here. Just three weeks after Joe Biden took the oath of office, the New York Times articulated what posterity may come to regard as a politically fatal recommendation. Democrats need to shelve the memory of stagflation. Inflation isn't lurking around the corner, this is in the 1970s, read the headline of a column by editorial board member, Benjamin Nappelbaum, In February 2021. Times have changed, he scoffed, and smart people recognize it. Those who don't are haunted by the ghosts of the past. The Biden White House embraced Applebaum's prescription. What followed was a tragic comic spectacle in which Democrats and their devoted followers wrestled publicly with their own cognitive dissonance as inflation surged. Initially, having internalized Applebaum's admonition, Biden and his congressional allies went on a wild spending binge. They compounded the inflationary effect of bipartisan spending packages designed to address the effects of the pandemic with profligate giveaways to Democratic constituencies and expensive social engineering projects. By the summer of 2021, Biden was forced to acknowledge some price increases, but he assured the nation the price instability would be transitory. Biden insisted it was bizarre to claim his policies caused inflation, but that his fiscal policy bore no resemblance to anything that could be called anti-inflationary. Indeed, given his commitment to stimulating demand, one could be forgiven for concluding that the White House didn't understand how to curb price instability. We know what doesn't contain inflation, wage and price controls. Recently, in a series of frenetic gestures that seemed designed to convey his worry over rising consumer expenses, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau mused about the desirability of price controls to contain food costs. That was the temporary solution to inflation the Nixon administration endorsed, and being seen to do something about price instability was quite popular. As a policy, it was a disaster. In the wake of Nixon's price controls, ranchers stopped shipping their cattle to the market, Farmers drowned their chickens, and consumers emptied the shelves of supermarkets, write Daniel Jurgen and Joseph Stanislaw in The Commanding Heights, The Battle for the World Economy. On the eve of his ascension to the presidency, Gerald Ford signaled the administration's creeping suspicion that the money supply contributed more to inflationary pressures than wages or price did. The real weapon against inflation are old-time virtues, Ford acknowledged, a sound budget and sound monetary policy. Now, he goes on from there and deals with a host of issues. The country's major metros are beset by competing interests, all of which are contributing to their decline. The patronage networks that once preserved a stable balance between elected officials, public sector unions, business officials, police superintendents, and so on are broken down. The petty criminality that makes cities unpleasant is on the rise, creating environments conducive to the violent criminality that makes cities unlivable. In response to these conditions, the city's most productive citizens are leaving. We have forgotten the basics. Down to the family level, we have forgotten the basics. It is a sign that in our postmodern times, the new and shiny object that so many people have embraced to replace old world thinking turn out not to be as good. G.K. Chesterton in his book, Orthodoxy talks about the democracy of the dead. What he means by that is tradition. Tradition means giving a vote to the most obscure of all classes, our ancestors. It is the democracy of the dead. Tradition refuses to submit to the small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking about. All Democrats object to men being disqualified by the accident of birth. Tradition objects to them being disqualified by the accident of death. Democracy tells us not to neglect a good man's opinion even if he is our groom. Tradition asks us not to neglect a good man's opinion even if he is our father. What is meant by this is that society, through trial and error over long periods of time, figured out the way the world actually works. It works with a stable two-parent nuclear heterosexual household. You put kids in a family with a mother and a father, they tend to outperform everybody else. A society that understands the broken window theory of crime and goes after the small crimes aggressively doesn't see the big crimes fester. And do you know it actually was not until the 1970s that the world began to grapple with how to fight inflation permanently, and it worked. They jacked up interest rates. They constrained the supply of money. It got rid of inflation, and we have been living in very good times since the 1980s in terms of no inflation until Joe Biden decided to forget everything we learned in the 1970s. In fact, we learned a lot in the 1970s. We learned a lot on dealing with crime in cities in the 70s. We learned a lot with educating our kids in the 70s. We learned a lot with propping up families in the 70s. We learned a lot with inflation and economics in the 70s. And it's taken until now for the arrogant elite of the academic institutions that were coming into their own in the 90s to forget all the lessons from the 70s that their forebears learned. And what is the result? We have mass crime. We have collapse of families. We have many families without fathers We have runaway single parent births and a decline in the birth rate overall. We have rampant inflation. We have the stagflation. We have people thinking the best days are behind us, not ahead of us. We have China on the rise because we forgot about foreign policy. The United States needs to stand supreme on the world stage and be the arsenal of democracy. We forgot so many things and we will be doomed to repeat the failures and refight the fights and relearn the lessons. And the lessons are there right in front of us. To the extent our society around us is collapsing economically, militarily, criminally, and the like, it's because the elite in this country decided that the tried and true methods of our forebearers need not be replicated. They could be abandoned for the new and the shiny, always chasing the shiny object. It's what the left does. Jonah Goldberg in his book on liberal fascism noted that the left never needs a sense of history because everything is always new. They don't have to learn history. History begins the moment they want it to begin. You see this with the left. It's an arrogance of the left. They can embrace these new ideas, these shiny ideas, and what are they giving us? Crime in our streets, collapsing schools, collapsing families, inflation. All you got to do is go back to the old boring ideas that have worked But the left doesn't like to do that. And unfortunately, too many people on the right are also dabbling in these new ideas. We already know what works. We've had society that worked. All we got to do is go back to those ideas. And those on the left and the right who think we should find something shiny and new should best be ignored and themselves and their new ideas placed on the ash heap of history. If we want to get out of the modern dark ages, we need to rediscover what we learned in the far back, far away era
0: of the Reagan administration. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show, the perfect blend of news, analysis, opinion, and cooking. Yeah, cooking. You can be live on Eric's show by calling 877-97-ERIC. That's 877-973-7425.
1: Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Let's begin with JD. You're going to be the first caller. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Eric. Um, appreciate you. Appreciate you taking the message, the call. Um, The pollsters sample the population to try to get a to predict that the popular vote, can they not parse the data in such a way to get a sense of the Electoral College, which really determines the president? So,
0: you know,
1: they can do a battleground survey, uh, which they do. There's a battleground poll. It's conducted by a, a bipartisan group of Democrats and Republicans, a pretty good survey. Uh, The problem is the smaller you go, the more inaccurate the polling tends to be. Um, So what you do really is you rely on the best pollsters in each state to do polls and take the polling average and you get a better sense of what's going on. Uh, And in 2016, though, keep in mind that uh, Donald Trump in the polling averages, even in the in the battleground states, he overperformed against every single one of those polls. Very few of them. In the polling averages, had him had him uh, ahead. A lot of them had him tied, uh, but didn't have him ahead. It's just it, it's harder and harder to do for a lot of reasons. In fact, I'm writing a paper on this because I got to present a paper in a couple of weeks on polling, and I've been talking to a lot of pollsters. So JD it's kind of kind of your your call is kind of timely on this. I'll tell you what pollsters tell me that uh, the individual polling don't rely on it, rely on the polling average. Rely on the major media pollsters more than the partisan pollsters for this reason. The media pollsters have a reputation at stake. None of the pollsters I've talked to, Republican or Democrat, truly believe that the major media pollsters are trying to shape your opinion. Now, I know you all aren't going to ever be persuaded by that, but the Republican and the Democratic pollsters I talked to have told me they genuinely do not believe the major media polling uh, goes out of their way to shape an opinion. Some of times they get it wrong and you have outliers. That's why you rely on the polling average. The problem is uh, it's more and more difficult these days because so many people have cell phones and don't answer the phone. The one thing that everyone has told me is do not rely on online surveys. They are still bad and they're probably never going to be good. Uh, Rely on pollsters who call cell phones and landline phones and do not use online polling. Um, But more, more than that, pay attention to the average, not the individual polls. Now, you should pay attention to this. Right now, you can get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an air purifier. So it gets rid of pollen, it gets rid of mold, it gets rid of dust floating in the air, and it uses electrostatic plates so you don't have to buy a filter subscription. But more importantly, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an odor eliminator. So it wipes out pet odors like litter box odors and stinky wet dog odors. It wipes out smoke odors. It wipes out cooking odors. It wipes out musty, mildewy odors. You can plug it in with a USB cord, or you can plug it directly into the wall. If So if you're in a car and you got a USB outlet, you can plug it into your car, leave it there, wipe out those odors. You get three of them for less than $200. So you have one for upstairs, downstairs, your basement, your RV, your travel bag. You can hold this thing in your hand. I keep one in my travel bag. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. And the discount code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K so edenpuredeals.com the discount code eric e r i c k um, they you all these things work they pack a wall up they eliminate odors edenpuredeals.com the discount code eric e r i c k
0: got the courage to tell you the truth, even when it isn't popular. You're listening to the Eric Erickson show.
1: Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? I am really, really happy to have you. It is an open line Friday. Uh, and so you can call in and you can set the tone and tenor of the conversation about things I wasn't even going to talk about. Like, for example, Vinny's calling from over in South Carolina. Vinny, how are you? I'm doing good, Eric. How are you? I'm great. What's going on?
2: So um, I couldn't remember if it was yesterday or the day before. Um, my wife was in my ear about her. Uh, sister's latest scandal so I wasn't able to hear all of it um, you were you were speaking about how um, liberals will state that the United States is actually producing more oil under the Biden administration than the Trump administration and I was trying to di- discern between and then you said something about how we funded 80 billion dollars by buying oil from Iran this that and the other so are we producing more oil by purchasing it because we're purchasing it from other countries? Is that what you meant by that?
1: No, 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 no. Uh, we are domestically in the United States uh, producing more oil out of the ground in the United States than we've ever produced before.
2: Okay. All right. See, cause that was one of the things that just had me confused. And then I, I heard you say something about we're spending, you know, we've recently spent $80 billion with Iran Okay. Okay. Let, let, me, let me let me clarify
1: you on that one, Vinny. So, it, <laughs> so what it is is the eighty billion dollars is we have allowed Iran to sell eighty billion dollars worth of oil in the last two years to China, um, and then Iran takes that eighty billion dollars and funds terrorism around the world, which the Secretary of State has admitted to knowing that's what Iran does with the money.
2: Okay, like I said, I was uh, I was really confused by when I heard that. I was really trying to tune in, but you know how it is if you're not listening to your wife. No, nope. so, uh, I, uh, I... I
1: totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, yes, you listen to her and call in any time I need to clarify what you missed. I'm I'm happy to answer. All right, so, man, I appreciate you. Know, you I, Eric, I do yeah, want yeah, to talk about reading. this one. You you guys have a great great Christmas, Vinny. Uh, let, let me while you're listening over there on Word. So it is true, absolutely true you cannot deny it or dispute it uh, if you are conservative that we are now producing more oil in this country per day than we have ever produced including under the trump administration but i want to read for you these three short paragraphs from reuters about the news u.s crude oil production is expected to rise by 850,000 barrels per day to a record 12.76 million barrels per day in 2023 According to a monthly report from the Energy Information Administration on Tuesday, crude oil production is expected to rise by 330,000 barrels per day to 13.09 million barrels per day in 2024. The last record output was 12.3 million barrels per day in 2019 before the COVID-19 pandemic crushed demand and prices, and drillers were hit by higher costs, that squeezed profit margins and investor demand to limit spending. The increase in forecasts is due to come as a result of higher expected well-level productivity and higher crude oil prices. Now, let me break this down for you. And I want to do so as intellectually honest as I possibly can. It is absolutely true. And the Biden administration can take credit at an intellectually honest level that his administration has overseen more production of oil than any other presidential administration, including Donald Trump's. When Trump left office, we got to 12.3 million barrels produced a day. Then COVID hit in 2020 while Trump was in office and it cratered. The Biden administration, has gotten us back to 12.3 million and increased to 12.76 million uh, by the end of the year. So Trump was, in 2019, the max was 12.3 million barrels per day. Biden, now, what, uh, two years into his administration has gotten us to 12.76, so slightly more than the Trump administration. And the Democrats will tell you with a straight face, that means that this is all great and Biden's not anti-oil except there's a catch. It's true he's producing more, but Biden has also restricted massive amounts of land from further production. The reason we're producing more oil per day is not because of new oil well drilling, but as Reuters notes, uh, higher than expected well level productivity. So it turns out the wells already drilled, the holes already drilled, we're pulling more oil out of them than expected. And we all those wells that we have that were slowed down during COVID are back up to full steam. What we are not doing, however, is drilling more. They've taken Anwar back off the table, which they should not have done. If you want to, want to understand why they should not have taken the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge out of production, uh, picture a football field and a first-class postage stamp on that football field. That football field is Anwar. The postage stamp on the football field is the area of land that was authorized to be drilled for oil. They should not have taken it off. They've taken off parts of federal land, They've restricted new leases. They've driven up regulation. So in spite of themselves, the existing oil footprint in the country is producing more oil than it produced during the Trump administration. But we are clearly reaching a ceiling on oil production because the Biden administration is doing everything possible to make it as costly and difficult as possible to do new drilling in this country. We will reach a ceiling that if Donald Trump were president, we would not have reached. So, yes, they've been able to surpass Donald Trump's production. And really, it's not the government. It's the private sector. But the private sector during the Biden administration has produced more oil than the most seen in the Trump administration, only because existing wells have been more productive than expected, not because we've done a massive new push for drilling, which we need to do, and the Biden administration is blocking us. That's the full and complicated truth of the matter. Now, back to the phones. Steve, you're going to be up next. Steve, well, well hang on, Steve. There we Hello. go. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. How about you? Good. Key question about the polling companies. Who pays for the companies uh, to do their services? I contend that whoever pays for the service gets their polling results that they wish. And also, I haven't heard you talk about Judge Amy Totenberg's. Georgia's election voting machines must go to a non-jury trial in January. I'd like to hear your comments about that, sir, and Dominion.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I will. In fact, I, I, let me let me, um, uh, let me me do the first one, and then i got to go to the commercial break because I forgot she had done that and I hadn't read her order yet. So I'll read the order and get back to you. Um, okay, so on the first one, who pays? Um, the media pays. Uh, so Fox News pays for its poll. Uh, CNN pays for its poll. The New York Times pays for its poll. And you can say, well, it's the liberal media. Of course, they're giving liberal results. Okay. So if it's the liberal media paying pollsters to give them liberal results, question, why is Donald Trump leading in their polls? Because he is. He, he's, he's leading in their polls. Um, what happens, however, is that they use Democrat and Republican pollsters together. Uh, I don't know of any major media outlets at this point that don't do bipartisan polling to try to weed out that concern. Um, The AP poll, the ABC News, Wall Street Journal, or Washington Post poll, the NBC Wall Street Journal poll, the Fox News, R.C. poll, the CNN poll, they all use a Democrat and a Republican together to do the polling for them. And the results are that Donald Trump is doing better in the polling than he's ever done before. So I mean, th- this is part of the issue with people who think there's a liberal conspiracy in the polling. And I'll tell you what: what the prevailing consensus among non-Trump supporters is. So the prevailing consensus of people is that well, the polls are biased. Yet all of the polls have Donald Trump ahead. I mean, if you use the Real Clear Politics polling average, by the way, and you should note the Real Clear Politics guys are not uh paragons of the left they're they're actually pretty conservative and in the real Clear politics polling you've got Trump up four in the messenger Harris X poll now that is one of the ones that doesn't use bipartisan polling Trump is up four in it it's an online poll which aren't very reliable but do you know who the Harris X pollster is Hillary Clinton's pollster that's right so the poll in which Trump does the best is Hillary Clinton's pollster Uh, Biden is up two in the YouGov poll. Biden's up one in the Morning Consult poll. Emerson, which has a great reputation, Trump's up four. Reuters, Ipsos, Trump's up two. NBC News, Trump's up two. Fox News, Trump's up four. Quinnipiac, Trump's up two. Yahoo News, uh, Trump's up two. Rasmussen Reports, which leans to the right, actually, has Biden up four. So you have uh, Hillary Clinton's pollster has Trump up four. And you've got uh, Rasmussen has Biden up for, which is an interesting dynamic there. Most of the major media outlets have Trump up, even though they're polls done by liberal media outlets. Um, It's just something to keep in mind when you start questioning the polls. Now, the non-Trump people, the people on the right who hate Trump, here's what they tell me. They're epistemically convinced by this, that all of the major media outlets have Donald Trump ahead because they're trying to draw Republicans complacently into picking Donald Trump. And the moment Donald Trump is picked, the polling's going to flip upside down, and suddenly we're going to see the truth that he was losing the whole time. That's, that is, you talk to the Haley friends, the DeSantis friends, the Chris Christie friends, that's what they all say. It's like, oh, the polling's rigged. They want Trump to be the nominee. Mark uh, Penn of Harris X and their polling, I kind of think dude is totally trying to lay a trap. But no, I I don't think that the Fox News and MSNBC and NBC and The New York Times and CNN and Quinnipiac and Emerson and and, uh, Reuters that they're all in some sort of grand conspiracy saying, let's make Trump the number one guy. Let's give him fantastic polling. So the Republicans like, I don't think that's happening. I don't. And I, I know you can't convince me and I can't convince you. I will just say this. All of my Republican friends who do polling for candidates, for Trump, for DeSantis, for Haley, for Christie, for Pence, for Scott, none of them believe that theory either. Okay, now, oh, look look at the time. Yes, I should go do that and come back to calls, shouldn't I? Good clock management, Andrew's behind the board telling me. <laughs> I keep talking for another hour. Charlie got on me the other day. He said, man, I'm doing the podcast, and these second and fourth segments are really short. You need to shut up on the First and the third segment. So I'll shut up and we'll move on and then I'll come back and take calls. But first, let me tell you about stamps.com because y'all do not want to. Okay, as it is a real world story here, my wife had a return. Now, I am a guy. It pains me to return anything. I don't care how easy they make it. I still got to label it, tape it, and take it somewhere. And I would just rather, like, throw it away. I, I hate to return things. Some people aren't like that, and I realize, like, I, I could get my money back. And I'm like, no, I got to go stand in line with a bunch of germy people and wait to give someone a package. They won't just let me drop it off. And I had to do that for my wife yesterday and go to the post office to to buy stamps I should have just used stamps.com, but my wife wanted the Christmas stamps from the post office. But otherwise, if stamps.com, you bypass the line. You do not have to stand in line. You can arrange for pickup at your home or office. With stamps.com, you can just, all you need is a computer and a printer. You print your label, you put it on your package, and then you arrange for the post office or UPS to come to you to pick it up. So you do not have to stand in a line. It's that easy. You could choose the fastest option to ship, the cheapest option to ship. And you get up to 84% savings from the post office and UPS rates. And if you're like a a business that does a lot of shipping, they can save you a lot of money. I've been using Stamps.com for 20 years. In fact, just the other day, I had UPS come by here and pick something up. I'd done it all on my computer and printer with Stamps.com. It's that easy. Stamps.com, you click on the mic, you put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, You will save up to 84% off post office UPS rates. You get free postage. You get free digital scale on a limited time offer. You have no long-term commitment. You have no contract. You can cancel at any time. That's how easy this is. You are not bound by a contract, but you're not going to cancel it because you're never going to stand in line again to ship a package unless your wife makes you go return something. Stamps.com. Click on the microphone. Put in my name, Eric. Start saving today.
0: When the world seems crazy, he'll keep you sane. It's The Eric Erickson Show. Want Eric's weekly recipes? They're super delicious. Text recipe to 33777 now.
1: Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of the program? Delighted to have you with me. Let me go back to the phones. Brian, you're going to be next. Welcome to the show. Hello, Eric. Hi there. Uh,
0: listen, uh, just a quick question. Uh, I appreciate your uh Insight on the uh, oil production under uh, President uh, Trump uh, and uh, President uh, Biden uh, increasing that. What's the flip side to that in terms of how much uh, oil was imported and bought by the United States under President Trump versus uh, under the uh, Biden administration?
1: Should We imported um, less oil from overseas when Trump was president than when Biden was is president. Uh, we actually brought in less. We were more of a net energy exporter when Trump was president, which we're not right now. That is, we were selling more oil. Right. We were still importing oil, though. Um, this is what people forget. We still import a significant amount of oil to fuel the economy. But uh, where the, where the issue comes in between exports and imports is that when Trump was president— We were producing enough oil given capacities and demand around the world during that economic period that we could still sell oil on the open market, uh, even as we were importing oil, mostly from Canada and Mexico, some from Saudi Arabia. But most of our oil comes from Canada and Mexico if we don't produce it ourselves. The problem is that at this point, we we can't sell enough oil on the open market to be considered a net exporter. Uh, We've got to keep as much as we possibly can here and uh, get more oil as well. We've always imported oil um, since really the 1930s and 40s, we've been importing oil. Uh, The problem, however, is that with the Biden administration, we just have not been able to be a net exporter of oil around the world because we need as much as we can. And Biden, of course, trying not to import a bunch of oil here, if he can help it, he, he can't, but he's also allowing Iran and Venezuela to sell a lot of oil overseas to keep prices low and and they're just using their money to fund terrorism among other things i mean the venezuelans use their money they're they're actually uh, thinking of invading their next door neighbor uh no i'm not making that up uh they're they're putting it to a public vote which is kind of bizarre i've got that story here that uh maduro is sending people to the polls on sunday to ask whether or not they should invade guiana which is next door which has huge oil reserves and they want them they've got some disputed territory it's absolutely insane But they would use the oil money that Biden has allowed them to uh, sell oil and use that money to fund an invasion of their next-door neighbor, just as Biden allowed Iran to sell. Yeah, I'm chuckling because it's so obvious that they're going to do stuff like this. Biden allowing these countries to sell oil to China, and they take the money, Iran to fund Hamas and Venezuela to fund an invasion. It's absolutely insane. But this is the foreign policy fallout of the naïve day of the Biden administration. What can you expect? It, it's bleedingly obvious, and yet they choose to ignore it. Uh, they are blind to the obvious nature of these things. Now, I don't want you to be blind to Omaha Steaks because they got an incredible deal through the end of the year. They're 50% off sales. Sitewide, anything you buy at Omaha Steaks, it's 50% off. And then at checkout, if you go to oldmodestakes.com and at checkout, you'll see a promo code box. You put in my name, Eric, E R I C K, just my first name, you get 30 extra dollars off. It's an amazingly good deal, a great value. Minimum order applies to the $30 off, but you load up your cart, you're already getting 50% off site wide. And then at checkout, put in Eric, you get 30 extra dollars off. It's a great deal. And they deliver it to your door. And what you get, 100% satisfaction guarantee. Now, I, I, y'all step back for a minute. Think of all the companies you do business with how many of them are more than 100 years old omaha Steaks is and the reason they have been doing this for more than 100 years mail order since the 50s but they've been selling steaks to people coming through omaha on the railroad since the night 1917 and the deal is they have a 100 percent satisfaction guarantee because they want you to be a lifetime customer they don't want a fly-by-night relationship with you they don't want a, a one-time order they want you coming back for more so they give you profoundly good quality with great shipping, great deals, and great product, and this 100% satisfaction guarantee. Don't take my word for it. Go check them out yourself. And right now, it's site-wide 50% off. So go to OmahaStakes.com today. Put ERIC in as your promo code at checkout and get $30 extra off. Great gifts for the holiday season, too.